Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. That's Emma. She just graduated this week, and we're so proud of you. We're really sad that you're going to the Navy, but we love you, and we're proud of you. And we're not sad. We're proud of you, but we don't want you to, but we want you here. So, oh, I don't know. I shouldn't have said that now. I'm getting emotional. All right. <clears throat> hey, this is uh, an incredible weekend that we have for you, and this is, is going to be a lot different than a normal, normal Sunday. We are doing a communicators weekend, and so what that means is, is each service we've got two different speakers speaking uh, for for each of the services. So, uh, if you if you want to stick around next service, there'll be two completely different speakers speaking two completely different messages. And uh, this is something that we're, uh, we're we're starting to use because um, you know, as a church, we just really feel called to reach our valley with the message of Jesus. Like, we just believe that, that our valley, the Treasure Valley, as, as churched as you may think it is, it needs the message of Jesus. And, uh, and it needs a church that is not just reaching people with the message of Jesus, but they're reaching people with the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to meet needs in our valley, and, and we want to preach the gospel of Jesus in our valley. And, and we believe a huge part of that for us is raising up leaders. And uh, I think for too long, the church sits back and, and just watches as leaders grow old in the kingdom of God and, and wonder why things fizzle out. And I just believe that that is not the intention of the Lord. I believe he wants, wanna, uh, the, the people we've selected for this weekend are, are people that we've been investing in, some leaders we've been raising up. And I, I just can't wait for you to hear some fresh, young voices uh, that really have just an incredible word from God for you today. So today, who you're going to hear from uh, are two different speakers. The first one is Celebration Church's very own Karina Manini. She, she is, uh, her and her husband lead our youth ministry, and they, they do such an incredible job every single Wednesday. If you come by here, the music is loud, the kids are crazy, they're full of people, uh, full of pizza, but you'll notice one thing is very consistent. They have kids lingering in the presence of God. They'll be praying over each other, uh, laying hands on each other, just believing God's best for each other. It's, it's actually incredible uh, when you see what, what good youth leaders can do. They can take kids from, from playing crazy games with, with pie in the face, and then they can end with kids weeping before the feet of Christ. And so, Karina, we love you, and we, we're excited. I can't wait to hear from you. <clears throat> And uh, our next speaker after her is going to be uh, our very own Clark Burton. Let's go. 
Clark is uh, here at Celebration. He's our executive director over creative. So what that means is he's over our uh, worship experience in general as well as leading worship uh, in the service. He actually is part of our directional team uh, and is setting direction and course for the church. And he's currently enrolled at Portland Bible College. But uh, I think he may be taking a pause. I'm not sure. But we just love these guys. And I want you to do this. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, this is, uh, for, for us, this is two things as a weekend. Number one, it's a developmental weekend. So I want you to understand that we're, we're trying to raise leaders this weekend. But number two, this is for you. And I, I want you to lean in in the next few minutes. I want you to laugh when it's time to laugh. I want you to get loud and amen them when it's time to amen them. I want you to get with, engage in what God is doing. And most importantly, this is, this is key. Let your hearts be open to hear from the Lord. Because I believe he's got a word from you today. Come on, Karina, let's let him have it. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. My, um, one of my three top favorite services, the second service, how you doing? I can't see all of you guys, but hi, how are you? Um, I'm... I'm up on stage, but I promise I'm not going to sing my message. I'm just going to be preaching, so I'm sorry. I'm not going to be singing today. Um, before I get started, does anyone have, like, um, a quad Americano with, like, white chocolate and oat milk? <gasps> oh, my goodness. Thank you. I can't preach without the Lord's manna from heaven, which is coffee. So good. This actually has nothing to do with my message, I just wanted coffee, and Pastor Roger does this every week, and it looks so fun, so I wanted to just use an analogy. Pastor Roger, I love you. Thank you. First off, I just want to say good morning, but I'm so honored and privileged to be up here. I normally am up here, like I said, either singing or preaching at our young people, and they are loud and rambunctious, so feel free to talk um, because I'm used to it, I promise. <laughs> like I'm totally used to it. They're super loud, um, but today, this message was really just heavy on my heart the last two weeks. And my husband said it best yesterday as I was um, just kind of finalizing some stuff. He said, I feel like this is a message that is years in the making. And I feel like pivotal moments in our faith tend to be that, right? It's years in the making and then God shows up and he's like, remember this? And I'm like, ah, so this is good. And I'm excited and I hope you guys are ready. So today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I'm using the Passion Translation. It's not my go-to, but it makes it sound really pretty. So here we go. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? First off, I'm the oldest of two sisters. This is a very sister thing to do. Mom, dad, like look at her, look what she's doing. Come on, Martha. Oldest sister, that's what I would do. <laughs> She said, isn't it unfair that she left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. Now, let me tell you, I have struggled being a Martha, not just because I'm the oldest, but I have struggled being a Martha my entire life. 
Um, I'm an Enneagram 3. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. It's just Christian horoscopes. Not that big of a deal. But I am an Enneagram 3, which means my identity really does come from what I do. And so I've struggled with this idea of feeling like my faith or um, God's grace or love or anything in my walk of Christianity is something that I have to earn or work for. And so often we approach God, like this, all of us, I feel like in some way or another, we approach him feeling like our faith is in our works, as if somehow our works equate to stronger faith, right? I grew up in church, and I remember you knew the people who were really strong in their faith when you would ask them, how are you doing, sister? And they would go, oh, I'm fantastic. God's good. And you would know that they were going through something, but they would just put on a smile and say, God's fantastic. He's good. And that, in my mind, equated to they've got really, really strong faith. But in this story, Martha is doing just that. She's doing and doing and doing, trying to work super hard. And there's nothing wrong with working, please. That's a very biblical principle, work hard. But Martha is trying to make herself and her home worthy of Jesus being there. I like to say it this way. She's trying to organize her mess before she gives it to God. I tend to do that quite often, and it's kind of silly. But Martha's going through some stuff. She's stressed out. She's anxious. She's worried. In verse 41, Jesus replies, Martha, my beloved Martha. I love when Jesus responds by saying your name twice. You know he's going to say something. (laughs) And he says, why are you upset and troubled? You see, in this moment, Jesus is acknowledging Martha is feeling some feelings. Martha is going through some stuff. And let me just tell you, God is not intimidated by our emotions, by our mess, by our feelings. And sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we think, okay, I'm feeling a certain way. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. So I'm going to collect this. I'm going to make it nice and pretty, make it look like faith. And then I'll come to Jesus. But Jesus in this moment is acknowledging Martha's frustration. He's acknowledging her anger what she's going through. And we're all going through something. We all have seasons, whether it be sadness, whether it be mourning, whether it be anger, frustration, confusion, fear. 2020 was filled with that emotion, right? And for me, most of my life, I grew up in church for the most part. My dad was saved at the age of eight. But for the most part, I grew up in a very, very strong faith household And I'm so thankful for that. But I still, like many of us, struggled with fear and anxiety to the point where I literally had to go and get medicine. It was was really bad. And my dad, I love my dad. I'm a daddy's girl down to my core. And he's amazing. And And with the best intentions, he would say all the time, this is a phrase that if we could, probably would have it plastered at the front of our door. He would tell me all the time, fear is a faithless expression. Fear is a faithless expression. And growing up, I used to wrestle with that a little bit (laughs) because it wouldn't make me feel better. Uh, When someone's freaking out, you don't tell them, calm down. It's not very helpful. (laughs) So my dad would say this all the time, and I would kind of roll my eyes as teenagers do. But within the last couple weeks, and honestly within the season that I've been in, this phrase has become very um, prevalent in my mind. Fear is a faithless expression. And so I began to dissect what this meant or what I felt like it meant. I wanted to understand it even more. 
And so I went like every good speaker does, and I went to Google Dictionary. <laughs> you can't have a good message without some uh, definitions, right? So expression, the process of making known one's thoughts or feelings. Duh. Fear, an unpleasant emotion or feeling. Okay, so fear is a faithless expression. Fear, my feelings, is a faithless making known of my feelings. Okay. But what is faith? Is faith a feeling? Honestly, is, is faith a feeling? No. In fact, Hebrews 11 would say, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. You see, faith can affect our emotions, no doubt. But on its own, standing on its own, faith is not a feeling. So, so what does this mean when walking in our faith? What does this mean? Faith is not an emotion in our flesh. It's a response in our spirit. You see, we are, we are very spiritual beings. And so God is calling us not to respond through our flesh, but to respond in our spirit. You see, Jesus wasn't correcting Martha's emotions. He was correcting where she had allowed her emotions to place her. Not her emotions itself, but where she had allowed her emotions to take her. You see, in verse 41, he says, why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. You see, when you lack faith, you're pulled away from the Father. But even in your emotions, with faith, you get closer to him. Jesus, this is a crazy part, and I didn't realize this until I was reading this again, but Jesus was in the same room as Martha, and yet she still found herself away from him. How, how can that be? How can Jesus literally be in the same room, and yet she's missing him? She had allowed her emotions to feel like she had to clean up her mess, put herself all together, put her house in order. And we do that so often, don't we? We come to church and we say, he's good, he's faithful, and we cry really, really pretty tears, or we raise our hands very prettily, and I'm not trying to make us feel guilty, but what I'm saying is faith isn't always pretty and put together. Faith is messy. It comes from a place of vulnerability and transparency, and so it's ugly sometimes. And Jesus answers what faith is supposed to look like. In verse 42, he says, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. You see, Jesus is saying faithfulness looks like drawing close to me, even despite how we feel, even despite what emotions we're feeling during this trial or this tribulation. You see, I've been in a season of difficulty I'm going to be really transparent with you guys. It's been a really difficult emotional season. I'm not going to get emotional. But it's been really hard because I feel like my emotions aren't always showing what faith in my mind, what I've been taught, is supposed to look like. See, I've been in a season of mourning and weeping, feeling guilty for having emotions through this season. But again, faith is a heart posture. It's not an emotion. 
You see, Mary, just like Martha, was going through stuff. She was feeling things. You see, this is the same Mary we see just chapters before. Jesus casting out seven demons out of her. So no doubt, Mary is going through some stuff. Mary is feeling some things. I don't know about you, but if I had seven demons cast out of me, I would probably not be feeling my best. And so Mary is also feeling things. But Mary chose to sit at his feet. She chose to come to him and kneel before him and say, regardless of what's happening, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what people around me are saying, because I've been just literally consumed with seven demons, regardless of that, I'm going to come. I'm not going to deal with the distractions. I'm not going to feel like I have to earn my worth or my my value of being able to come to you. I'm just going to sit at your feet. And I was praying, I've been praying a lot in this season, asking what God was trying to show me, what God is trying to show me. And even as I read the scripture, I said, God, what are you trying to show me? Because I've heard the story of Mary and Martha time and time again. And most of us are in seasons of heaviness. I feel like this What God has put on my heart isn't just for me in this season of mourning, but it's for many of us in this room today. Feeling broken, feeling disheartened, feeling forgotten or lost, feeling angry or frustrated. And Jesus' response to us, his invitation is to come and to sit at his feet. It's in running to his feet in the midst of our trials that we remain faithful. You can bring your tears to the feet of Jesus. I'm telling somebody today, you feel broken, you feel completely lost. Be broken at his feet. You feel angry and frustrated, hurt and offended by people. Bring that offense to the throne room. You feel weary and tired. Come and rest in his arms. Stop trying to do something as if that's going to build up your strength. Your faith comes from coming to him. It's a heart posture. It's not an emotion. It doesn't always look happy. Go lucky. You see, because I'm in a season where I know God is good. I believe God is good. I am standing on that truth. But sometimes my flesh still feels the emotions. He's not asking us to not feel. He's a very relatable God. We serve a very relatable Jesus. He's not saying, don't feel, don't have emotions, don't come broken, don't feel these things. What he's saying is, don't allow yourself to be pulled away by your emotions and not come to my feet. I'm telling somebody today, I would rather be broken at the feet of Jesus than miss him when he walks in a room. I would rather be weeping, look ugly, and have people question, does she really trust God in this season? I'm telling you, yes, I do, because I'm still remaining at his feet. Whatever it is that you're going through, as I close with this, whatever it is, there are some people in here that are dealing with some hurt, with some trials, a change in season, maybe an idea of what life would look like, and you feel disappointed, you feel discouraged, 
And God is saying, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to fix it. Come and rest in me. Come to my feet. If you would stand with me real fast. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, I ask right now that if there are people in this room feeling like they've had to distance themselves from you simply because their emotions don't feel like a good Christian, God, I ask that you would show them today. Show them today that you're a welcoming father. That their emotions don't distance themselves. God, that that feeling of sadness or mourning, Jesus, that that doesn't make them lack faith, God, but that where they place themselves at your feet would show how much they trust you, Jesus. God, I ask right now that you would begin to stir up our faith. God, that you would show us how we can come to you time after time after time. God, we don't wanna miss you. Don't let us be distracted by the things going on around us. You're aware of it. You acknowledge it. You see it. But right now is the time to just come to your feet. And so, Jesus, we surrender it to you. Jesus, we come to you wholeheartedly broken, sad, whatever that looks like. And we give it to you, Jesus. In your mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you guys so, so much. Thank you. I want to welcome, give it up for our next speaker, Clark Lloyd Burton. All right, you can be seated. Wow. Um. Faith is not an emotion, but it is a response in our spirit. I was over there, and I was listening, and I was thinking, well, I better change my message. So my new message is going to be about faith is not an emotion, but it is a response. Just kidding. Hey, one more time. Can we thank Karina? Oh, hey, you forgot your, you forgot your coffee. Thing. I'm going to just set it right there in case you need it. A little cover there. Um, well, it's good to see it. Uh, my name's Clark, and hey, I just got engaged, so there we go. Thank you, thank you. In case you didn't know, this is a lot easier than posting on Facebook. I just let everybody know in the church. It, it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, since we've been dating and now we've got engaged, what happens to me when I hear her name? You know, someone else will be talking about her. She comes up in conversation. I'm like, oh, is, what are you saying about her? Is it good? Is it, and I hear her name, you know, butterflies come up. There, there's an emotion that comes up now when I, when I hear her name. And there's a lot of names that, that might happen to you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your crush that they, you know, your, your secret admirer, whatever person that might be, or it might be a, a thing, a hobby that you like, that when you hear that word or that name, something is just evoked inside of you. You're excited, or maybe it's the opposite. It's a negative emotion. And maybe you, you'd engage with me a little bit. I wonder what goes on in your heart. Um, you can respond uh, audibly, by the way. When I say Boise State, 
some haters over here. Okay, what about Seattle Seahawks? Okay. Okay, I think they are the closest NFL team to, so we gotta, we obviously, it's proximity. How about this, summer vacation? Yeah, yeah. Ice cream? Ice cream. All right, all right. Um, how about this, Johnny Depp? Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of ladies who... who <laughs> I wonder what you think of, what goes on inside of you when you hear some words you might hear around church, like... I wonder what you think when you hear the word grace, or what, do you, what happens when you hear the term righteousness? What, what happens when you hear the term mercy? Um, if you're anything like me, some of those words either, they just, you're not, they, they aren't filled with meaning. You kind of hear them, and maybe when you hear them, you just apply it to like church or the Bible, but there's not this deep um, connection to it. There's not this uh, reaction that you have. And today I want to break down a Christian word we use, and you've already heard it today. It's faith. And by the end of this, I hope when I say the term faith, there's something that happens inside of you that stirs up, that you begin to connect different contexts to it in history so that when you hear the word faith, you actually feel something inside. So we're going to look at faith, and I'm going to start with this. I want to look at Hebrews 11. Uh, Karina already brought it up in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is nice. It, the Bible helps define faith. It's very great, but if you're anything like me, I read this, and I'm like, I actually am more confused now that I've read this. What does that even mean? Assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let, let's read a few more verses where the Bible talks about faith um, in verse 6 of that same chapter. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Speaking of God. Okay, okay, so it's impossible to please God. We're getting, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more meaning of faith. How about Matthew 17, verse 20, when Jesus is talking? If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, so if I have faith, I can move mountains. If I don't have it, I can't please God. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we're getting closer. Um, but I did a little cheat thing, because Pastor Roger last week actually defined faith for us. Because this word faith in the Greek, it's pistuo. That's the, the root of it. And and it just simply, at its simplest terms, just means trust. Now, when I say trust, I bet you there's some more emotional reaction you have. Because maybe you have someone that you just deeply trust, you care about, a close friend, a spouse, you, you trust. Or maybe, for you, trust was broken. And so when you hear trust, there's actually something inside of you that happens. There's this reaction. And so I want you to connect faith with trust in God. Faith trust in God, because I think we can connect to that definition a little bit more easily today. And when we talk about faith, I'm going to have Derek come up, because I think it's this. You know you have faith, or you know if you have trust in God, if you're able to do this number, right? If you weren't able to engage in a trust fall, you know you don't have it, right? There's a couple people, if I asked you up here, I would not do that. I would not be so willing. We haven't had trust built up, right? So trust, I'm going to say, or sorry, faith 
is a trust fall. Faith is a trust fall. And I bet, you know, if we sat down together, we had coffee, and we talked about what we wanted our faith life to look like, I bet you we wouldn't talk about, like, hey, you know, I want my faith look like, life to look like just going to church on Sunday. I don't think we'd talk about that. If we talked about your ideal faith life, we probably wouldn't just say, you know what, I'm good with just going to God when I have big problems. I'm sure we wouldn't say things like that. I'm sure you'd probably say some things like, I want my prayer life with my spouse to be red hot fire. Like that's what I'm looking for. You might say, I want to always be in the room when God heals someone, when he delivers someone from mental illness and heals their body. I want to be there. I want my faith life to please God. I want to be a part of God's plan. Like if we were just talking, I, I, I would guess, I would venture to guess that that's kind of the faith you want. So how do we get there? Well, if I'm learning anything, if I want to learn how to do anything, whether it's a house project or uh, a, a certain hobby, I go DIY mode, right? We whip up Google and YouTube and do a good old DIY project. And a DIY, all it is, is you look at someone else who's done it before. You look at someone else who's done it before, and then you learn how to do it. And so we're going to look at our biblical YouTube really quick to do some DIY, because there's something in Hebrews 11 called the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith, where we get to see examples of people who have gone before us, who have done it, and done it well. And I think it's really important before we go into this to, to note that it's not the stats of a sports, you know, some stats from sports that got them into the hall of faith. It was simply their response to God. Now I'm going to paraphrase some of this because there's a lot of people in the hall of faith, but here's verse one, like we just talked about. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's trust in God. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And here's the paraphrase of how people pleased God. And we're going to go through some of them. Enoch, he was taken up so that he would not see death. Noah, he constructed an ark after responding to what God said. Abraham, he lived in a land of promise. Sarah, she received the power to conceive. Isaac, he invoked future blessings. Moses, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than with the Egyptians. And the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Rahab was just, what she was noted for when it came to faith was just giving friendly welcome to spies. Like that's what is noted for her. And the author of Hebrews, as we pick up in verse 32, this is what the author writes, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, all these different people who had pleased God. And what's important to note is who, who were these people? What were, what were their... Um, what was their background? What was their qualifications? Because I think we think of these people and they seem so far off. These, oh, the hall of faith. Like you think of the hall of fame when it comes to the NFL and you're like Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and you're like, oh, these guys were legends. And we do that to people in the Bible, but they were real people. Because you know, Noah, he's listed here. He got drunk. Right? Sarah, before she conceived, she she laughed at God. Jacob, he was 
a deceiver, Rahab, a prostitute, David, an adulterer, a murderer. They didn't have a good rap sheet, yet here they are, and they're noted as having pleased God through their faith. How many times do, I, do we disqualify ourselves from pleasing God, from being these great men and women of faith? Here's the thing. Their level of faith was determined by how they responded to God. So it wasn't a sports stat. Their stat was how did they respond to God? Because they pleased God through their faith. And the only way someone's faith is tested is if they get a chance to respond to God. You get put in a moment where you have to respond. You have to choose, how am I gonna respond? Now, we talked about that coffee moment. Okay, if we were to sit down, we were to talk about our, our dream faith life. What would they say about us? You know, what kind of things would we do for God? It, it would be probably pretty amazing, but we often fall short of those expectations. And I think some of them are really simple. And I want to talk about the fences to our faith, the obstacles, the barricades, the things that keep us from stepping in to all that God has for us. So I want to list six things that you might relate to when it comes to fences of your faith. Here's the first one. We don't know what he said. Now that's pretty simple. If you don't know what God said, you can't really respond to him. If you don't know what he said, you can't respond to him. So a simple, simple application for you is we've got story of God coming up this weekend. It's, it's Friday and Saturday. And if you don't know the just basic story of God, or even if you know it, think you know it, I want you to go through that. And you will know what your response to God should be like just because you know what he said. And I don't want anyone who, who maybe you're a new Christian or you're a new believer, you shouldn't disqualify yourself here because guess what? Rahab the prostitute, she didn't have a Bible. All she knew of God was rumors that she had delivered the people of Israel through the Red Sea. That's all she knew. And she responded by, God's with these people. I'm gonna help them out. So you don't have to know a lot. You just have to know something to be able to respond. Number two, you're scared or you're afraid. You've heard something from God. You know what he's asked you to do. But you just, you're paralyzed. You're anxious. You're, you're just not confident to step into what God's calling you to do. I'm, I've talked to many of you, and you have something deep inside where God's asked you to step out, and you just feel like you can't do it. And I believe there's going to be a moment here soon where if that's you, I believe God's going to respond to faith because he can replace that spirit of fear with a, a spirit of confidence of the Holy Spirit and sound mind and of power. He can do that. He can replace that. And number three, we have control issues. <laughs> this is a real one, right? Uh, when I stepped over here and did the trust fall with Derek, if I wasn't even willing to engage because I couldn't control it, that should tip you off because you also might believe this. You might be proud. You might have some pride that says, actually, if it's not my way, I don't want to do it because you have to actually let go of control. You have to trust. Control is a great sign that you don't trust God. Or you're just 
you might be selfish in, in that. You want to control it because you want something to, to gain from controlling it. Number four, we just aren't listening. Now, this is a scary place to be. Because there was a time in my life where I just tuned out the voice of God. He was telling me to do things. Actually, he would just stay on the one thing. There was a, a, just a big block of sin that he's like, we need to address this. I'm like, I, I didn't hear it. You know, you know the moment when, when you're in the parking lot and you see someone with their, uh, their hood open and they obviously need a jump and God's like, hey, go minister to that person. Go help that person. You're like, no, I'm late. Nope. When you start doing those things, when you start making a habit of saying no to God and tuning out his voice, it's a dangerous place to be. And I want to wake some people from that slumber. God wants to speak to you, and he's probably been telling you the same one thing over and over again. And before you can move forward in your faith, you have to go back to the one thing he's already asked you to do. Okay, number five, you've prioritized other, other things. Now, this is really easy for us who, who live in America. There's busyness, there's sports, and then we got to go to the graduations, and then there's a bridal shower over here, and then we got to take them to school, and then work, and then all these different things. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm serving on the first impressions team now because Derek said it in the first service, and I couldn't help, but there's all these things that start to crowd out God. And there's a word for this in the Bible. It, it's... It's often referred to as idolatry, where we put something above God. Now, we can make good things an idol. Like, there's things in our life, like hobbies. I love fishing. I, I love going to the mountains. But if I put that before God, it becomes an idol in my life. It's not a bad thing, but the bad thing is that I made it first before God. So you may be prioritizing other things. Why gain the whole world if you lose your soul. Okay, number six. I think this is a big one. You just don't believe. You don't actually believe he can use you. You don't believe he speaks to you. You don't believe he's still working. I'm not just talking about someone who wouldn't consider themselves a Christian. I'm talking to some Christians here too who you just don't believe he's moving and active. There's a lack of trust. You don't believe he's going to catch you when you fall. And what I want to do is share this with you. The hall of faith continues on. It, it didn't stop. The, the writer of Hebrews alluded to it, that there's all these people. If I had time, I'd tell you of all these people. And then just in time of history, you see that it keeps going, it keeps going. And guess what? In 2022, we've still got people here in celebration that are going to be in the hall of faith. And I want some people to step into that, believe that they have what it takes to just respond to God in faith. Now, there's been prayer cards for the last several months that we've been filling out. You guys have been so good at filling out the prayer needs as well as answered prayer. And right here, we finally have a book of all the people who have had answered prayer. And I just want to read some of them to help kickstart your faith because some of you just aren't feeling it. But can I just say what God's done at Celebration Church? Here's just a few. I, he provided a job. He's, he, he healed my heart and mind. There's healed bodies. 
reconciled relationship. God provided financially. This is our house. Can we make some noise for some trust in God's plan? There's a healthy child. He provided breakthrough in our marriage. He, I have faith in Jesus. There's been healing. And my dad is cancer-free. There's moments here at Celebration. Come on. I just believe there's people at Celebration Church who are tired of just punching in the clock on Sunday. They're tired of just surviving the day with the kids. They're tired of just going with the flow when it comes to school. There's some grandparents who want to leave a legacy better than when they found it. And we can't settle. And all we have to do is respond in faith. And as the band comes up, before we can move on in faith, we got to deal with the fences. And there might have been some that you related to when you heard them. So as you guys stand across the room, we're going to identify those things in our life, the fences we've allowed between us and God, us and trust in him. We're going to identify those and we're just going to repent. We're just going to, we're going to turn away from those things. So join me in prayer as the band begins to play. Lord, I'm sorry for the times I've ignored you. I haven't been diligent in, in seeking after your word. You've already spoken. You've given us scripture, words that are life to the soul. God, I turn away from fear in your hand, not believing that you are truly in control, that I'm truly in your hands. Lord, I, I just ask right now you replace that timidity and that anxiousness with confidence in the Holy Spirit, confidence in Jesus, confidence in my identity in Christ. Lord, I'm sorry for the times I've not believed that you have it under control, that you have my best interest at mind. God, I repent from being, from being prideful, for thinking my way or the highway, my way is better, the selfishness in us. God, we turn away from that. God, we turn away from tuning out your voice. We're sorry for saying no, but we thank you for chasing after us. God, would you open that back up so we could feel again, we could sense your, your word, we could sense that you're speaking to us. We, we say yes to you, Lord. God, we're sorry for when we've prioritized other things. We're sorry for we're, we've replaced you with, with other things that are enjoyable, but we've not kept you at the center. God, we're sorry for our, our unbelief. The times where we've just didn't believe, Lord, would you replace that with faith? And just like the father who had a son who was sick, I believe, but help our unbelief. Because I just believe that there's some people in here. If that's you, you want, with, with every eye closed, if you're just needing a moment to respond to God, he's asking you this question right now. Do you trust me? He's asking you this question. question do you trust me. And if you're the one who wants to say, yes, I trust in you, God, would you just raise your hand and surrender right now? 
God, I trust you. I know you have good plans for me. I know that you want to use me. I know that if there's a hall of faith that includes people just responding to God, I want to respond. I want to say yes to you, yes to your purposes. I know you're still moving. I know you're still good. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Come on, guys, let's respond in faith. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.